Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 10 called A Cry to My Creator. I've told you as we go back to the book of Job that we've entitled our time in Job, the problem of evil and the power of the gospel because the problem of evil is always solved or answered in the power of the gospel. That's what Paul just did in Romans chapter eight. But what if you're Job? What if you're still dealing with boils from the top of your head to the sole of your feet? What if you've had poor comforters that traveled only to tell you that you must have sinned against God and certainly your children sinned against God. That's why the house fell in on them. That's why you're in the situation you're in. That's why you're sick. Because they have a tidy little neat little theological religious system that says this is how it works. And since this is, and maybe Job believed that as well. Maybe for Job, he had a tidy little theological system and it was working for him. Yes, he feared God. Yes, he turned away from evil. Yes, he offered sacrifice. But the question is, does Job need to go deeper with God? And the answer is yes. Do you need to go deeper with God? The answer is yes. Do I need to go deeper with God? The answer is oh, yes. And God uses things like this. I don't understand all the angles of it. But Job feels like God has become his enemy. And he might say to his friends, how could I conclude anything else? And then he continues to speak to God. A cry to my creator. He says, have you, Job 10.4, have you eyes of flesh? Do you see as a man sees? Are your days as the days of a mortal? Or your years, talking to God as man's years, that you should seek for my guilt and search after my sin according to your knowledge. I am indeed not guilty, because I know you know everything. Yet there is no deliverance from your hand. Do you see Job's dilemma in the second section, verses four through seven? He says, I've heard the poor comforters say to me, they continue to examine my life. You must have done this, right, Job? Wrong. You must have done this, right? Your kids must have, no. No, no, no. And I'm not going to say yes just to please you in your little system that you've come up with. No. They keep searching and scrutinizing my path to see what I've done wrong. Is this what you do, God? Do you scrutinize my path just to look for the little faults that I have? I hope not. <laughs> Because I got a bunch of them. And do you know that the Lord doesn't take into account my sin? Because in Jesus Christ, I've been reconciled. I have the righteousness of Christ. He's no longer counting my sins against me. Love covers a, oh, praise the Lord, a multitude of sins. If you, oh Lord, kept a record of my sin, oh Lord, who could stand. You see, Job, he's saying, are you like these guys, these so-called counselors who come over and are nitpicking every aspect of my life? And the answer to Job's question is no. God is not like that. God overlooks 
a multitude, oh get this, a truckload of sins every hour of every day. Oh maybe. Every moment of, maybe. Every microsecond of, can you imagine? God knows everything. He knows every thought of every person on the planet, every backroom uh, you know, deal that's manipulated and cheated and you name it, people who are cheating on this and cheating on that. He knows all the mutterings on the 91 freeway. Come on. And still, he loves me. Still, you forgive. Maybe if I could get a little bit more out of the Job syndrome and more into look at what Jesus has done for me, my attitude might be different. Are your days as the days of a mortal? Your years as a man's years? The obvious answer is no. God is eternal. God is spirit. That you should seek for my guilt and search after my sin. And you want to yell at Job from the corridors of the future. No, Job. And then Job says something that is right on. According to your knowledge, I am indeed not guilty. Job, you're right. God knows that you're not guilty. He knows that you're a blameless man. He knows that you love him. He knows that you've been turning away from evil and pursuing good. God does know. And then Job might say, and if you know, then why don't you deliver me? Some of you may have been in a situation at work or in your family. You did the right thing only to encounter more trouble. (laughs) And you're like, Lord, you know the truth of this situation. I do not need to inform you about current events because I've learned that you're omniscient, which means that you have all knowledge. And if you do, then why don't you lift my burden right now? Take away my sickness. Restore to me the family that I've lost. The months that the the worm has eaten in my life. Job knows in his heart of hearts that God knows the true situation. You see, God is spirit. He is not flesh, Isaiah 31.3. God is not in the habit of judging people by outward appearance. No, rather, 1 Samuel 16.7 says, God does not look on outward appearance, but he looks where? He looks at the heart. Then Job might say, then why does God misjudge his innocent servant? I look guilty in light of what's happened to me. Everybody who looks at me thinks I'm guilty. But Job needs to know that a Redeemer is coming that will save him. The greater Job is Jesus. He's a deliverer. One who is able to free a person from an oppressor is one definition, often by some display of force. End of verse 7, check it again. Yet there is no deliverance from your hand or no deliverer. But Jesus is both an arbiter, as we saw in chapter 9, and Jesus is our great deliverer. Here's Romans 11. It says, and thus, Romans eleven twenty six, all Israel will be saved just as it is written. The deliverer, that's the Messiah, will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant, Romans eleven twenty six and 27, with them when I take away their sins. 
Job's third question is, why did you create me? A cry to my creator. Look at verse 8, Job 10. Your hands fashioned me, fashioned and made me all together, and would you destroy me? Remember now that you have made me as clay, and you would turn me into dust again? Did you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese? Clothe me with skin and flesh, and knit me together with bones and sinews? This is both a beautiful statement and at the same time somewhat pathetic. Job is celebrating the fact that he was made by God. In verse 8, your hands fashioned me and made me all together. We can't help but think of Genesis chapter 2, I think verse 7, where God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground. God is a master potter and we are the clay. And that's what God did in the beginning. He formed man and he breathed the very breath of life into man. Your hands fashioned me. Job is not Adam, but he still believes that God is the one who makes human beings and we are made incredibly in God's image. Your hands fashioned me, made me all together. But then Job's question is, would you destroy me? Remember now that you've made me as clay and would you turn me into dust again? Did you not pour me out like milk, curdle me like cheese? Notice, Job is a committed creationist, brothers and sisters. Despite all his problems, he's not an atheist. He's a creationist. One writer says, verses 10 and 11 are a vivid and moving poetic picture of the creative action of God. Conception is described by analogy to the production of cheese, one of my favorite foods, although not great for you. Just as liquid milk can be made to curdle and turned into cheese, one writer says, like soft cheese, maybe pointing to an embryo, so the semen and ovum can, ovum can be seen or can be, as it were, curdled into a living being and then clothed with skin and flesh, verse 11. On the outside and knit together with bones and sinews on the inside. It's a wonderful creative picture of conception, gestation, and birth. There is a beauty in Job's words, but a deep pathos in his questions. Did you make me only to display me and then to destroy me? Did you form me as a master potter forms a clay vessel only to then turn me back into the dust? I don't understand. Why would you do that? The answer to Job's creation question is that yes, God made him. It took strenuous effort, cross-reference verse 3, to form Job. That's the picture, although for God it wasn't hard. And there's usually a tight bond between a worker and his product. If you've ever made something, for those of you who are creatives, right? Jim, you can say this with the blowing of your glass that you do so wonderfully, that you make something and you have a bond with it. But do you remember that uh, Jeremiah is told to go down to the potter's house and he's to watch the potter as an analogy to what's going on with Israel. And the potter was forming a clay piece, remember, and it was spoiled in his hands. And for those of you, how many of you have seen, uh, was Mike, um, what is it? Anyway, the potter guy. <laughs> anyway, and he does that. He's forming a beautiful pot and he does this demonstration and he shares his testimony through it. 
and he's forming it and you're, you're in awe of his abilities and everything. And then just as he's getting formed to this piece of pottery, he mars the thing on the wheel and everyone's like, oh, what were you doing? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. And then just as he's getting formed to this piece of pottery, he mars the thing on the wheel, and everyone's like, oh, what were you doing? And then he makes it into something more beautiful. God is not destroying Job. God is in the remaking or remolding business. That's what he does. And Job is on the wheel, and sometimes when you're on the potter's wheel, and he decides that he wants to do something a little different, or maybe even start over, (laughs) you're like, "Ah! Lord, what are you doing? I thought I was pretty this way. I feel pretty. And then God says, no, I have something different in mind. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are potter. All of us are the work of your hand. Isaiah 64, verse 8. But before that, we've become like one who is unclean. All our righteous deeds are like filthy garment. All of us wither like a leaf. Our iniquities are like the wind. They take us away. There's no one who calls on your name, Isaiah 64, 6 and 7, who arouses himself to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the power of our iniquities. Do you see what the writer is saying is that God has allowed Israel in this setting into the power of their adversaries because he's remolding his people. And God does the same thing with us as believers. God is not trying to destroy Job, but he is remaking him. Into what? Into a vessel fit for the master's use? Into a living testimony that suffering doesn't mean that it's the end of your story or that God somehow now doesn't like you or love you anymore. That's not what it means. 
But you guys know that in the ancient world, when people saw suffering, they automatically concluded that that person must have become the enemy of God or that person maybe has sinned against God. And we know as the Bible unfolds and in human experience, that's not the case. Not all suffering is a result of sin. Some of it is, but not all of it. Some of it may be the result of spiritual warfare. Some of it is just because we live in a fallen world. It's not always because we've sinned against God, and the book of Job is teaching us that. So Job goes on, verse 12. He says, you've granted me life and hesed, that's the Hebrew word for loving kindness, and your care has preserved my spirit. Now as Job wrestles with his questions about God, he remembers that in his former days, not only did God give him life, but God had entered into a loyal covenant love with him. See the word loving kindness? That's the Hebrew word hesed. It transliterates into English as C-H-E-S-E-D, hesed. It speaks of God's covenant love, his loving kindness, his steadfast love. In the Hebrew picture language, it means the door of mercy and protection or refuge and foundation. It's an important word in the book of Hosea that we looked at. This is the love of loyalty, the love of covenant. It's the love expected in marriage partners, and it's the love expected of good friends. And Job is saying, you gave me life. You, you formed me as the potter, forming the clay, and then you gave me said, We entered into a covenant, and I, and I thought I understood our covenant, that you loved me and I loved you, and this is what I did to worship and honor you, and you blessed my life, and you protected me. But what went wrong? If you've ever been in a covenant that fell apart, a relationship where you had expectations that the other person was gonna be true to you and you to them, and it fell apart, it's probably one of the most devastating things imaginable. Some of you have been through that. And now you don't know what to do because you made a covenant and this person promised things that they would do in keeping their side of the covenant, and now they're not. Maybe it used to be the case, but now it's not happening anymore. Can you imagine, Job? What do you do when you think God has broken the covenant of love? What do you do from your perspective if you have now concluded, God, have you you left the covenant with me and I've been faithful on my end and you are not faithful on your end? That's not the way things are supposed to work in the universe. It's supposed to be us that blow it, us that walk away from you, us that backslide. What's going on? Yet these things you have concealed in your heart. I know that this is within you. I know that this ESV was your purpose. Job seems to be saying this. He seems to be saying, did you make me and know that you were going to do this all along? Were you just biding your time to destroy me? Where, since you know everything, were you just waiting in the wings when I sit, hit a certain date on the calendar and then you, just, you said, okay, now, but you knew all along that the, the barrels were going to be pointed at me and you were going to do this to me? Job's saying, essentially, how could you? But remember, God is not the one God has allowed it. Yes, he's permitted it for his purposes, but the enemy has set his targets on Job. God is a loving creator, 
But Job thinks, says Rowley, that God's kindness was part of his calculated cruelty. Some believe that uh, this should be interpreted that God's love was hidden in his heart so he could act cruelly toward Job. But I think the former is true, that Job thinks that God's kindness was part of his calculated cruelty. He feels betrayed. He says, 14, if I sin, that's uh, the word kata for sin there, then you would take note of me and would not acquit me of guilt. If I am wicked, woe to me. If I am righteous, I dare not lift up my head. I am sated with disgrace and conscious of my misery. Job might say something like this. I have no self-esteem left. If I had sinned, you would note it, of course, and I don't feel like you'd forgive me, end of 14. If I am wicked, woe to me, that's true, but if I'm righteous, and I think I am, implied, I, didn't, I don't even dare lift up my head because of what you've done to me. Should, should my head be lifted, 16, you would hunt me like a lion. Remember, Job's off in his conclusions, but this is how he feels. And again, you would show your power against me. You renew your witnesses against me and increase your anger toward me. Hardship after hardship is with me. Wave after wave. It's like you refresh your soldiers just to take another wave of fire against me. Wow. Job is at a rough place. He says, man, I I feel like I can't even get a breath. If you've ever been out surfing before and got caught Uh, this happens a lot of times to inexperienced surfers, but I used to surf a lot. And one time I was out there and my friend and I, our leashes got caught together. They got entwined together and the waves were getting pretty big. And it was like one wave came and we were trying to untangle and you're just getting your head above water. (gasps) And then here comes another wave and you're in the washing machine and the boards are flipping all around and your friend's leash is tangled up and it's gotta be his fault. It can't be your fault that all of this happened. And the boards can hit you on the top of the head. It's, it's a dangerous place to be. And Job's saying, that's how I feel. I feel like just when I get a breath, you send another wave and you have power and authority. So what am I to do? One hardship after another, one wave after another. Some of you are saying, that's my life. You've been listening to A Cry to My Creator, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. And that's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 10. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, if you'd like to learn more about Walk in Truth, our church, and the events and studies we have going on, then download our free Living Truth app in your app store. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo and the pillars. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, what do you do when you've tried to follow the biblical prescription and you feel like you're getting nothing? (laughs) I pray, I cry, and I say, where are you, Lord? You know, you are actually voicing what the psalmist said oftentimes. Lord, I feel like I'm alone. Do you know that that, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Cry comes from a psalm, Psalm 22. Jesus quoted it on the cross, and he understands what it feels like even to cry out and wonder, you know, about an answer. And I don't think Jesus was wondering about an answer, but I think he felt forsaken. And we can feel forsaken too, but we are never forsaken. My son uh, wrote a song about this, and he wrote it 
His name is Shane, and he's a pastor, and he wrote it during a time when his mom and his grandma had cancer. And uh, he, he talked about feelings in that song, but then he said, we, but we're not forsaken. He will never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us. And again, I go back to something I said previously, that we can't let our feelings drive the train. They got to be in the caboose. We need to let the truth of God's word ultimately determine where we're at, even if we don't feel the feelings. And look, I'm not saying that our feelings aren't real. I've had those moments too. When you're wondering, you know, God, are you hearing my prayer? Hear my prayer, O oh Lord. But I think that that feeling, you can just know that you're not alone. And speaking of that, if you need someone to pray with you, and sometimes this is really what we need. We need a, another human, another believer, perhaps a pastor or a good godly friend to pray with us, to be God's hands and feet and even his mouth. And we have pastors here on staff Tuesdays through Fridays at uh, 844-48-TRUTH. And what we do is we just make ourselves available to pray with you if you need prayer, to answer a question, to hear you out if you need someone to talk to. Take advantage of that during normal business hours at 844-48-TRUTH. This is Pastor Michael. This is Walk in Truth. Hey, I'm so glad you're listening. Thank you for praying for us and for supporting us and for walking with us through the book of Job as God ministers to us the truth of his gospel, even in a fallen and broken world. We love you. We'll see you right here tomorrow. Just a reminder, we've skipped over some of Pastor Michael's teachings in the book of Job, but you can listen or watch those teachings when you download our free Living Truth app. It's the one with the red logo with the pillars. And join us tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 10 called A Cry to My Creator. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.